0: This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, brought to you by 180TAC. Get out there and have some fun. Episode 174, Matt Feeney, Adaptive Adventures. Hello and welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Kurt Linville. Today, I have special guest Matt Feeney with us from Adaptive Adventures. Matt is the Director of Advancement and Co-Founder for Adaptive Adventures. and He is here today to talk to us about the Adaptive Adventures program, about a lot of the adventure sports that he does, as well as opportunities that are out there for a whole lot of other people to do some amazing adventure sports. Matt, we're really excited to share what you have going on with Adaptive Adventures, so welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you, Kurt, and thanks for having me.
0: So, Matt, you just told me that you moved to Colorado when you were eight and just fell in love with all the sports here. Tell us a little bit more about yourself and who you are and, and how you came to be a adventure sports enthusiast.
1: Well, I guess, you know, it's... Typical to people uh, that grew up in Colorado. I mean, there's a a lot of opportunity to get involved in in outdoor sports. And I started with, I guess, with the traditional team sports. Uh, As a kid, I played football, basketball, baseball. I was on the swim team. You know, I I was always out doing something very, you know, I was always very active. Um, Staying active and being involved in sports was always very important to me uh, growing up. And I think that's, it's kind of stayed with me throughout the years and, uh, especially something like skiing. Um, I, I learned to ski at a young age and, uh, just, it was something I connected with my friends with. It was a very social, um, a social activity. And, uh, once you start progressing and, and, and getting to be a better skier, um, it just becomes more fun and you can do a little bit more with it. And, and, uh, of course I've always just enjoyed, enjoyed being outdoors. And so I guess that's kind of where it all stems from. Um, And then eventually when I went to college uh, in Durango, uh, one of the reasons, uh, my parents thought it was the only reason, but one of the reasons I chose uh, Fort Lewis College in Durango, which is in the southwest corner of Colorado, was because there was a ski area about 20 miles away from the campus. And so, again, I continued skiing all the way through college and just, embraced it loved it uh, loved to ski with my friends and and again it's a it's a very uh, social activity that that I love to participate in
0: yeah my wife went to fort lewis oh really yeah it's a it's a really great school and a fantastic location really really neat place so i get it man <laughs> Definitely. So Adaptive Adventures is an organization, I'll let you give us the details, but it's an organization that offers adventure sports of all sorts of different kinds to uh, people with various disabilities. And um, it was founded in 1999. You have over 2,000 participants and over 200 year-round programs. So busy, busy, busy. You're located in Colorado and in Illinois. How did you get involved with Adaptive Adventures?
1: Wow. Well, that's uh, it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll do my best here. Um, I, I suffered a traumatic uh, injury in 1988. I was vacationing at Lake Powell in Utah, and uh, I was a competitive diver, another sport that I did in high school. I, I was a springboard diver and uh, went to Lake Powell with some friends uh, when I was in my 20s, and we were goofing around and diving off some cliffs, and I ended up breaking my back. Oh. And when I, broke, when I broke my back, it uh, the vertebrae went into the spinal cord um, and it, it, that's, all it took was just landing in the water wrong. I didn't hit anything but water. It was about 200 feet deep where, because I always checked it, I always thought I was calculated and fairly smart about it, but it was pretty high up and just the way I entered the water at a strange angle and it was, as I said, it was kind of a freak accident, but it uh, did some spinal cord damage, so... I instantly became a paraplegic. Mm. So, kind of had to, as you can imagine, it's a fairly daunting situation. Um, didn't know what I was going to do from there on. I went to Craig Hospital down in Englewood, a very well-renowned uh, facility for rehabilitation, and uh, met some pretty inspiring people there. And talked to, you know, the whole staff was just was very was very uh, just kind and. And and actually, we're very knowledgeable about what you can do, you know, that your life's not over, that, that you can lead a productive life, even though you're going to most likely be spending the rest of your life in a wheelchair. So once I got past that, it took a little bit to get my head around it all. But uh, I thought, okay, well, this is what it's going to be like. Um, I I figured I'd, I'd try to embrace it. And the first thing I thought of was sports, my connection with sports as a kid Kind of came through and I thought, you know what? Let's see what sports are out there, uh, for someone in a wheelchair. And some of them, I gotta be honest, some of them didn't look that great. You know, like, um, you know, I'm six two and I used to play a lot of basketball and for some reason wheelchair basketball didn't really appeal to me that much. I tried it a few times. It was okay. It was, it's very good cardio work and it's good for your fitness. And, but for some reason I gravitated towards skiing. And uh, so I went up to Winter Park and took my first ski lesson, and that was fairly daunting as well because I had to learn, relearn how to ski uh, from a seated position uh, on what's called a monoski. And a monoski is a seat, basically a seat mounted on a frame with a shock absorber, and underneath you, you have one single ski that you're balanced on. Now, you do have two outriggers to help you with your balance, and outriggers are like crutches with little ski tips on the end of them. And so, just to give your listeners just kind of a, a visual there, it's uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but that's what a monoski is. And I'll tell you, it was not easy. And I I stuck with it. I kept going and, and learning how to ski. And, and one day it just kind of clicked, and I was making turns. And it just opened up a whole new world to me. Um, and basically changed my life. Uh, I <laughs> I eventually quit a perfectly good job in Denver and moved up to Winter Park with no job. No prospects. I didn't know anybody. I just knew that I had a calling and uh, that I should go ski.
0: Right on. And
1: so I, I, I became basically a, a ski bum for a couple of years and, and trained up there and learned how to race a little bit and competed, um, which only lasted a couple of years. I, I started to then get interested in teaching others, and I became a ski instructor. So that started the next chapter in my life, and I worked for the National Sports Center for the Disabled in Winter Park which at the time was the largest adaptive ski program in the world. And I did that for about 10 years. But but after a while, I started discovering other sports. I started hand cycling and doing some mountain biking and water skiing. And I found out eventually that those sports were not always offered by, specifically by that organization. And so I had the idea that you know, there, there's, there's got to be other opportunities out there. So I had the idea to start Adaptive Adventures in 1998, and uh, we started it in 1999. And our mission is to provide progressive outdoor sports opportunities to improve the quality of life for uh, um, children, men, and, uh, and uh, veterans with physical disabilities. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of how it, how it started. Um, and it's just snowballed from there. Now we're, uh, you know, 17 years later, we're, we're, we're teaching thousands of people how to get out and enjoy life. And we're affecting the lives of, of a lot of people, and that's, that's very rewarding. But that's kind of how it started. I just had an interest in adaptive sports early on, and it just kind of snowballed. And uh, I wanted to, to take these sports that I enjoy and, and try to, uh, you know, reach other people through those sports.
0: Wow, what a great story, man i you know to overcome the hardships that you have and then to turn it around and and make this organization out of it that helps so many people. It's a beautiful thing well, thank you so Matt, why the word adaptive? What does that mean to you as far as your your company here?
1: I believe that you know it's there are some words that uh, that have evolved the word disabled i think um I mean gosh, you know thirty forty years ago you know, they were, they were probably, you know, the word handicapped was used a lot. And it still is when you talk about a parking space, that's not an adaptive parking space. It's a handicapped parking space. I think there's a lot of people were offensive because of the origin of that word handicapped. I guess it was, it literally translates to the the, uh, cap in the hand asking, you know, for handouts. Mm. And, um, at least that's a few people have told me that's the origin of handicapped. And I think, I think that kind of gives a negative connotation to someone with that has a disability, someone that has some uh, physical challenge or any other kind of challenge. Um, it, it, you know, it doesn't offend me, uh, the word handicap, but I think it, the that has evolved into, you know, handicap sports, evolved into disabled sports, which has evolved into adaptive sports. It's basically we as people with disabilities want to participate in the same types of activities that everybody does, you know, every day in this country or around the world, we just do it a little bit differently. And that's where the word adaptive came from, because we're adapting instead of, you know, for instance, uh, the way I ski or my, the way I ride a bike, I ride a hand cycle. The only difference between my bike and, and your bike is yours has two wheels, mine has three, and I pedal it with my arms instead of my legs. So I guess the word adaptive is kind of fitting in a lot of those situations. We, we, you know, want to be accepted and we want to be included. We just do things a little bit differently and we have to adapt to make that happen.
0: You know, what I think is so cool about that is that it. I think it very well describes what you guys are doing there. You're sending out the message. It doesn't matter really what your handicap is. There's a way to adapt and do all these cool sports. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that's, that's awesome, and I think what's so neat about it too, I mean, I don't want to go off on some crazy tangent here, but just the engineering idea behind it, you know, okay, so we have new parameters to work with. We designed a bicycle to do this now, how do we design it to do this this way? And that's right. really cool. I think that's a, a fantastic thing.
1: And it is. it's you know, and it's come so far, I, my accident happened in 1988, and I try to explain to people when they ask me, well, what you know what what have you seen in your twenty seven years? or 28 years since you've had your accident, you've, you've spent tw- you know more than half your life in a wheelchair. What have you seen? What kind of technological advancements have you seen in the world of sports? And one of the analogies I give is the fact that in 1988 when I got hurt, the fastest guy in a wheelchair in this country, in the Boston Marathon, was equal in a wheelchair, about equal to the fastest runner. They were both doing it in about two hours and seven minutes, something like that. Those were like world best times in the marathon. So the wheelchairs were equal to the runners. Um, Now the wheelchair division, they beat the runners by 45 minutes. (laughs) I mean, think about that.
0: I don't want to arm wrestle any of those guys. (laughs) Trust me, they are. And it's
1: not that the equipment, that's part of it, the equipment, the technology has gotten better, but mostly it's the athletes. They've gotten, you know, now you can make a living. If you are, a world-class wheelchair racer or a hand cyclist—you can make a living doing that. And 25 years ago, you really couldn't. I mean, it was really hard to make a living as a as a disabled athlete. And now, people are making a very good living being a disabled athlete. Um, and it's it's amazing to see. And and it's the same thing with with uh, a lot of uh, adaptive. I'll use the word again: adaptive sports equipment. You know that has enabled us. It's kind of it it has leveled the playing field over the years, so that what we can do is 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 quite amazing. You know, it's it's eye opening. People people used to go. You know, I'd meet people when I was you know up in Winter Park, and they would say, "Oh, that's nice. You ski." And they picture me, you know, maybe in my wheelchair with little skis on or something, going down (laughs) going down going down a bunny hill or something. And I would say, yeah, yeah, come on up and ski with me sometime. I'll show you. Because yeah. <laughs> I can ski. I can ski everything on the mountain. You know, double black diamonds, moguls, uh, steep shoots, just about anything uh, is is uh, not off limits. So you know, and I, again, I just think it's come a long way in in the in a relatively short time with uh, the technology and the ability of the athletes.
0: Oh man, I love it. That's very very cool.
2: Action cameras evolved quickly and are no longer just for recording your adventures. The new PsyOI Iris 4G shares experiences as they happen. The connected camera is built specifically for action sports. It's rugged, wearable, and goes places you won't take your smartphone. The best part? Broadcast from the great outdoors with a simple touch. Your friends can watch live or come back for an instant replay. No downloads, no editing. Now that's progress. Visit S-I-O-E-Y-E dot com and share your next adventure live. Bentgate Gate Mountaineering, located in Golden, Colorado, has
0: been outfitting backcountry travelers for more than 20 years. The snow is melting and the crags are drying out. Time to break out the hiking boots, rock climbing shoes, and tents. Gear materials and designs are more evolved than ever. From the latest ultralight gear to the tried-and-true classics, Bent Gate has the premier brands for climbing, hiking, and camping essentials, including Arcteryx, Hilleberg, Nemo, Western Mountaineering, and many more. Need advice on destinations, getting started, or on fine-tuning your quiver of gear? The Bent Gate staff are all passionate adventurers who can give you the data and advice you need. Bentgate is also hosting numerous events and speakers this summer, so please check out their events page at bentgate.com for more information as well as to see their full product selection. So your organization here, Adaptive Adventures, takes advantage of those things to offer a plethora of different types of sports to people. I mean, I'm just glancing at your website here, and I'm sure I'm I'm going to miss a a bunch. But you have skiing and snowboarding, cycling, dragon boat racing, kayaking, rock climbing, sailing, scuba, water skiing, wakeboarding, whitewater rafting. Um, How cool is that?
1: Well, it's it's... (laughs) – Actually, it's a little bit mind-blowing if you look back in 1999 when we started the organization. We had we had offered um, skiing, and then in the summer, obviously in the winter, and in the summer, we we offered cycling and water skiing. Those were our two primary sports, and mostly because those are the sports that I was interested in, and my co-founder, Joel Berman, um, he was interested in as well. And then at some point, we added kayaking, and then the floodgates just opened. We we're like hey what about this and and a few years ago a gentleman approached us and said hey I I really want to uh I want to start a sailing program with you guys and uh, how do we do that and we just did it we, he was able to you know get a bunch of these adaptive sailboats and all on a volunteer basis um and there's a group of them that just came to us and said we want to take people out with disabilities we want to take them out sailing so that all of a sudden, we had a sailing program, and that's grown, too, just in the last three years. It's, it's really become very popular, and things like even scuba diving. We, we don't have a real formal scuba diving program, but we try to go you know once a year to somewhere nice and warm and, and, and take people out to scuba diving because that's another, another sport, if you call it a sport. I think some people might, might not call it a sport, but diving is something that, again, water is a great equalizer. When I get in the water, I'm just like you or anyone else except, you know,
0: I use my arms a little bit more. (laughs) You know, I I disagree because when you get in the water with the arms you have, you're going to leave me behind. (laughs) (laughs) You know, there's no way I could keep up with those arms.
1: (laughs) But we go to places like Cozumel, Mexico, where it's drift diving. And you get in the water and the current takes you along. So all you're really doing is just kind of, you know, relaxing checking out the scenery and it's very little effort actually so but the, I just brought that up because it's a it's it's another one of those sports where it is very it's very adaptable anyone with a disability can can go can go and dive and swim with the fish it's
0: kind of cool I love it are you open to new sports in the program yes
1: and no i mean we're always we're always contemplating that but we have grown so fast in a relatively short amount of time that we're always a little bit leery about taking something on. So we do discuss it. And if the opportunity is there, if we feel like there's a need in the community for a different sport, I will say that there are some sports that we do not not offer because someone else is probably doing it. For instance, wheelchair basketball or sled hockey you know, sled hockey, um, and th- those are mostly team sports. You know what's become really popular lately is lacrosse. Wheelchair lacrosse has really taken off as well. And I don't feel and I don't think the, our board feels that, um, you know, there's a real, a real need in the community for that because there's plenty of opportunity for people to do that. So that's really what it's based on. Is it, first of all, is there a need for us to come in and start a program? And second of all, do we have the resources to do it? So sure. those are really the two things that we have to contemplate before, but we, you know, we do throw those things around from time to time. Hey, look at, you know, look at this new sport. Obviously we're probably not going to do surfing because we're a little bit landlocked, but, uh, beyond that, we, you know, we would certainly consider, um, any other sport if, uh, if it meets those criteria
0: cool so what about dragon boat racing i picked that one out of the blue because i don't know anything about it you offer well, dragon boat racing in denver chicago and milwaukee it says here perhaps other places too
1: again that's something that was our paddle sports director he's a, you know avid kayaker and, uh, and another another sport that's become quite popular is paddleboarding you know stand up paddleboard and so uh, chris runs our you know paddle sports program And he brought that to us a couple of years ago and said, Hey, there's this, there's this uh, more of a team sport called dragon boat racing. It has deep roots in, in the Chinese, in, in Chinese history. It's, it's dates back thousands of years. And it's basically you get 20 people in a big boat. And typically the guy at the front of the boat is beating on a drum to keep the beat so that the people that are rowing can get in sync and there's competitions and it's, I had no idea. It's huge. It's got a big following. And you know who really gets the, a lot out of it and who are really enthusiastic about it are men and women that have uh, been injured in the military. They enjoy the camaraderie, the teamwork, the spirit of, of competition, and they really embrace it. And it's quite popular with, uh, with our members of the military. So um, we've only been doing that. I think this is our third year doing Dragon Boat, but it has taken off and uh, it's it's great. It's got all the, you know, it's got uh, physical, you know, it's it's a physical sport. It's, it's physically, fairly physically demanding. Um, You know, you get a good workout out there paddling. And again, like I said, it's got the, the, um, the team component and the camaraderie and uh, many people are enjoying it. So it's, it's, it's a great, uh, great, that we can offer that opportunity.
2: So it's
0: kind of like crew with a paddle instead of oars. Sure. Yep, and a bigger crew. A lot bigger, and a crew, bigger and a, crew and a bigger boat. <laughs> well, it sounds like a, a lot of fun, I'll tell you that. I'm looking at yeah. the pictures on the website. By the way, for our listeners, um, you can see pictures and see about all of these programs at AdaptiveAdventures.org. And uh, you guys have a great website, tons of fun pictures, and I, I'm sitting here enjoying them. Well, what, a, great. what a great thing. Well, hey, tell us about what got you hooked On the skiing, I I would like a story that that just takes us there, where we can say, "Wow, that was a cool experience."
1: Well, the best way to describe it is, and if if you haven't, since you haven't been, you know, sitting in a wheelchair, skiing is is a very liberating sport for someone with a disability like myself. When when I get in my monoski, anytime, first of all, anytime I can get out of my wheelchair is a good thing. Um. Just, But skiing, as I said, is a very liberating sport. And what I mean by that, when I'm in my wheelchair during the course of a day, a typical day, you know, in my life, there are stairs, there are narrow doorways, there are curbs, there are so many obstacles that I face on a daily basis. And when I get in my monoski, there's no limitations. I can go virtually anywhere on the mountain that I choose to go. And that became apparent when I was first learning how to ski. You know, I was struggling and it was very humbling. And I finally got to the point where I was starting to make some turns, wasn't falling that much, but then I learned how to get up myself after a fall. I didn't need any help. Then the next step, I learned how to get on and off the chairlift by myself in a monoski. That to me was huge because all of a sudden I got my independence back.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: I didn't have to have someone helping me and I could, I could basically, And once I learned how to do that, I could basically go out, jump in my monoski, and I could ski alone if I wanted to, or with friends, and ski anywhere on the mountain I choose. And to me, that's, that's why I love skiing. It's just very liberating, and, you know, there's very few limitations on what you can do when you're in your monoski. And so that, that to me, that was kind of my aha moment where I just went, you know what? I think, I think I'm gonna be okay. I think I can deal with this, so.
0: Yeah. That's neat. It, I, I can imagine the sense of freedom that comes with that. I mean I get that sense of freedom on skis just because it's so fun to slide instead of walk, right? Oh no, absolutely. To be able to glide over the snow, feel the wind in your face, you know, take a few jumps, go through the bumps. It's it's a delight. And so that had to be just amazing for you.
1: That's why I think skiing is such a great sport for people with disabilities, because as you mentioned, that gliding movement that's you know, in theory, it's very graceful and it's very gliding. And, you know, I've met people in my life that, you know, it might take them five minutes to walk across a room, but you put them on a pair of skis and they're just,
0: you know, they're just gone.
1: (laughs) It's amazing to see.
0: Oh, yeah, that's fantastic, man. Well, what are your dreams for the organization now? I mean, you've got a lot of things going on. What does the future hold? Well, that's a really good question. Um,
1: I think right now we're just going to stay the course and um, try to, Try to sustain all the programs that we've started and and, and the growth that we've that we've uh, um, managed managed to have over the last uh, three four years. Um, we want to continue on the path, changing people's lives, getting people you know outdoors, more uh, more healthy and more active, leading an active lifestyle. And as as I was saying earlier, I don't know that we'll be adding any other sports, but the the current the current roster is pretty full, and uh, I think. I think within those core sports that you mentioned, you know, I think we will continue to improve the quality of our programs and reach out and get more and more um more and more participants. Uh whether they're at a young age or, or not. That's you know, that's that's one of the things I like to do. I like to work with the young the young kids, um and, and see see how they progress over the years and, and it really can be life changing. Getting someone involved in outdoor sports, um that it really It really, you know, it overflows into other facets of their lives and in a positive way. So it's it's a great impact, and I I I hope that we can impact more of these people uh, in the years to come.
0: You know, Matt, I end every podcast with "Get out there and have some fun," and that's the message of the adventure sports podcast. Is these adventure sports do branch into the rest of your lives? You know, the rest of your life and they they add a richness and a purpose sometimes for people and they broaden people's horizons they build community they you know they connect people with nature and with health there's so many great advantages and the beautiful thing about what you're doing here is you're saying it doesn't matter if you have a disability you can do the same thing come on we'll show you how absolutely absolutely mm. no that was well said <laughs> i love it man i really do so how can people get involved with a program? So if someone has a disability and they want to do some of these things, what? how do they get in touch with you and get involved?
1: Well, the best way is probably through our website. We have, as you as you probably know from looking at the website, we have a calendar. And the calendar is chock full of events, um, different programs that we run. So I guess it would just depend on what your interest is. If your if you're interest is you want to learn to kayak or... You know, suppose you were a, you were an avid kayaker and, or, or you had tried it a few times and then you, you had some kind of accident and, and, uh, ended up with a disability and you wanted to try it again or learn how to do it again. Or someone that was even born with a disability that wants to learn to, to kayak. You just go on the website, look at the calendar and find what, what locations and dates we're doing kayak programs. Uh, you can also send us an email through the website if you have any questions about any of the programs that we run, or you can certainly give us a call as well at our office, and let us know your interests and what you want to do, and you know, if it's something that we offer, we'll make it happen.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to give out the number in here in just a minute, but I'm going to give people a minute to grab a pen and piece of paper, and we'll also put it on our website so that they can uh, go there after the show if they want to and see how to get in touch with you, but... Um, our website is, of course, theadventuresportspodcast.com and Matt's website is adaptiveadventures.org. The phone numbers for Colorado, it's 303-679-2770. That's 303-679-2770. And if you're in Illinois, 847-251-8445. That's eight four seven two five one eight four four five, and uh, if you're in surrounding areas, you know, call and find out where the events are and how you can get involved from a distance too.
1: Absolutely, and we also are always looking for volunteers. So if someone's out there and wants to get involved, and um, you can do the same process. You can uh, sign up through our website as a volunteer, or you can give us a call. Let us know what your interests are, and uh, we'll get you. We'll get you plugged in.
0: Well, you beat me to my next question, but that's really cool. So, if a person wanted to volunteer, what sorts of things would they be doing with you?
1: Well, again, it depends on their interests and their, you know, their expertise, um, if any. We have all kinds of opportunities. Um, we do a basic orientation, a volunteer orientation. We offer, you know, several, several of those every month, where you just come into the office and kind of meet some of the staff, and we kind of give you an overview of the programs and how they're run and what's expected. And then you can kind of be more specific and pick a sport or pick an activity that you want to volunteer for. Um, If that's, you know, if that's cycling, then there's, there's there's certain days where we do cycling training, volunteer training, and it's not rocket science. It's basically we could train you to be a volunteer basically in, in one day or part of the day. Um, just how to fit someone in a in a hand cycle or a kayak, whatever the sport is, and and how to work with these individuals. And, again, you get better over time. Um, you know, the more you do it, it's like anything. The more you do it, the, the more comfortable you are at uh, whether you're volunteering or instructing or, or a participant for that matter. But uh, it just depends on, on the volunteer interest as well. But we can – We'll plug you into whatever, whatever sport or activity that you're interested in, and you can volunteer that way.
0: And there are a lot of different activities. We already went over. I'm going to say them again in case people missed because I just went so fast. But I see here alpine skiing and snowboarding, cycling, dragon boat racing, kayaking, rock climbing, sailing, scuba, water ski and wakeboard, whitewater rafting. Um, so there are nine things right there that encompass an awful lot of adventure sports. And so sounds like there's something for everybody. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about your events. You have so many events, you know, over 200 going on. So I know we can't list them all, but give us kind of a general idea.
1: Well, there's some, there's some programs that, you know, meet weekly and others are a little bit more sporadic. Uh, again, it depends on the activity. Uh, one of my favorite events, and, and and again with um with the cost to the participant, we try to subsidize every program so that some program you know some programs we can offer for free, and some are very all our programs are very inexpensive or free and uh, we do that by you know subsidizing through fundraising uh grant writing and uh putting on special events to raise money um, to offset these costs so that we can offer we can offer these activities at a a very low price or, like I said, free. Um, One of my favorite events that's coming up is our – because I like working with kids – is our Stars of Tomorrow camp, which is uh, July 7th and 8th at Sloan's Lake, which is right – kind of in the heart of Denver there, Um, off of – what is it? uh, uh, Colfax and Sheridan, kind of. Um, But, again, all the information is on the website. That's a two-day event for – any any child under the age of eighteen that wants to come out and learn how to water ski, kayak, cycle, and there's some other games and arts and crafts things that we do as well. And typically we have between 30 and 40 kids that come out for two days. We provide lunch, and uh, it's it's just a great event. It's great to see the kids interact too, and they really just have a great time on the water and uh, in and out of the water and. Um, so anyway, that's that's called the Stars of Tomorrow camp. That's just one example.
0: Now, does that happen just once or over and over during the summer, or when is this no, that, happening?
1: No, that's a once-a-year event. We also do a winter Stars of Tomorrow camp, and that's a three-day ski camp in steamboats every March. So nice. we, do two, we do two a year, but one's winter and one's summer. And uh, there are certainly other kids activities that we do but that one just comes to mind that's that's a real good one for kids that want to come out and try several sports you know in, in one in one event as opposed to oh i'm going to go to washington park tomorrow and ride a hand cycle which is great but uh you know sometimes you want to there might be multiple sports that you want to try, and that's a really good event for that.
0: Cool. So the kids camp free happens twice a year, winter, summer. Really cool, but it's not just for kids. You work with people of all ages as well.
1: That's true. That event is for kids, but right. we work. We work uh, with um, yeah, adults, children, and veterans.
0: So tell us about the veteran work a little bit.
1: Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting that we. We started Adaptive Adventures in 1999. And, you know, back then we didn't have a lot of, uh, we weren't working with a lot of disabled veterans. And there were some, but then, of course, you know, 9 11 happened. And um, unfortunately, but I'm glad that we were in a position to, you know, facilitate these programs for men and women in the military that have been injured in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. And so. That part of our program, we went from serving, you know, before nine eleven. I think maybe five percent of our participants were veterans, and now it's it's probably over half. Mm. And you know, it's it's again. I think the word inspiring sometimes is overused, but um, it is very inspiring to be able to work with with these men and women and and get them back on track. They come they come back with various uh, you know injuries, and we work with them. Again, no matter what their sport is or what they want to try, um, we we get them back, you know, back out and into the community and socializing with other veterans and civilians, and uh, it's again it can be life changing.
0: Well, how much does it cost for people to participate in your programs? Well, again,
1: if if someone is a is a veteran, a disabled veteran, um, we offer all of our activities for free, cool. and for for something like the Stars of Tomorrow camp for kids that I just mentioned, that is a free event as well, we always try to keep that event free. Um, some of our events are free. Some have a nominal fee. It just depends. Um, we do a Lake Powell trip. Um, in fact, the, some of my staff was packing up to leave tomorrow for Lake Powell. We have a 70-foot wheelchair-accessible houseboat on Lake Powell, and right we, run, we run four trips a year, four weeks. Tomorrow starts the first trip, a week-long trip, and that, that trip, I believe, is $700. So, but again, there's a few members of the military that are going that uh, we scholarship. And again, whenever we can, we try to subsidize the cost through our fundraising efforts. Um, but there are expenses associated with, especially doing a trip like that, a week long trip out at Lake Powell on a houseboat. Um, but again, if you looked into, you know, renting a houseboat and doing a trip on your own, it is very, very expensive to do that. Oh, yeah. So, so um, yeah, we try to cut costs, and um, and our ski camps cost a little bit of money, but again, it's just a fraction of what it would normally cost if you wanted to engage in that kind of uh, a trip. So, so our adventure trips do cost. Our rafting trips cost a little bit. Um, some of our multi-day camps might cost uh, a few hundred dollars, but for the most part, it's a nominal fee um, to participate in our programs.
2: Hey folks, be sure to swing by 180TAC.com to check out the 180 Stove and the 180 Flame Camp Stoves. These lightweight, compact, multi fuel stoves are made in the USA and are designed to be fail proof on your adventure. These stoves offer the flexibility to cook your meal using twigs and sticks found around you, or various other fuels like gel fuel, alcohol, charcoal, or even use them as a windbreak and stable cooking surface for remote bottle gas stoves. The ingenious locking tab and slot design ensures your stove is very solid and stable without the use of hinges, rivets, or fasteners that can fail you in the field. Visit 180-T-A-C-K dot com to find your next camp stove.
0: We have listeners that are around Colorado and Utah and what have you, but we have listeners around the planet as well. So tell people what is special about Lake Powell. This place is not your ordinary lake.
1: That is correct, Kurt. It is not your ordinary lake. It is it is so hard to describe. I always encourage people that when I talk to them about Lake Powell, they say, no, I've never heard of it. You've never heard of Lake Powell. Okay, you need to go Google it right now and just <laughs> look at some pictures of that place because words – it's hard to really do it justice with just words. But it is the other thing, the other way I describe it is this, if no one's ever seen Lake Powell, it's like, imagine, do you know what the grand Canyon is? And they say, sure. I say, imagine putting a dam at one end of the grand Canyon and just letting it fill up. That's what Lake Powell looks like. And so I guess that's the best way to describe it. But it is a, it is a beautiful lake, 140 miles long, uh, fairly narrow. Cause it's, you know, it's through uh, the grand Canyon there and um, uh, it is just spectacular. The scenery is amazing, and it is, it, it's in the middle of nowhere. So one of the things I like about it is there's no self-service or very little self-service. There's no Internet. You can go out there and just get lost for a week and, and enjoy yourself, and whether you want to kayak or water ski or just fish, um, read a book, just relax, um, campfires at night and, you know, water sports during the day. It's it's just a it's a wonderful experience.
0: Yeah, Lake Powell is a special place, no doubt about that. It really is. Let's do the rich uncle question. I love this. So let's let's say that somebody says, "All right, um, no expenses too much. What's the dream trip? What are you going to do?"
1: Oh boy, the dream trip. I guess for me it would be. I've always wanted to. Cause I'm a diver, a scuba diver as well, and I've always wanted to do a liveaboard. And if you don't know, if you're not a diver. Uh, a liveaboard is instead of just going out, getting out, going to the dock, getting on a boat, and going out and doing a few dives, and then coming back to your hotel. A liveaboard is actually spending a week, ten days, two weeks, or longer aboard a boat out at sea, and just uh, you don't you don't touch land for you know quite a period, a long period of time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, I guess one of that's always been I've always uh, wanted to go to maybe the other side of the world, maybe somewhere like Fiji and uh just some place i've never been and and do a liveaboard and do some diving and socializing with people and just enjoying the enjoying what the ocean has to offer for a period of time that's that's
0: one of the things i'd like to do that sounds really cool and scuba diving boating rafting water skiing kayaking rock climbing i mean it just goes on and on and uh that liveaboard scuba sounds really nice that would be interesting i i don't know what it would be like to be on a boat that long have you ever been on a boat like that
1: well just no not like that i uh, you know just our houseboat at lake Powell,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which
1: is which is not quite as vast as the ocean but um Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it just intrigues me to be out on the boat. No, I, I never have. And I think that's one of the reasons that it's, uh, kind of on the bucket list. It's something I've, I've always wanted to do is to to just, you know, live on a boat for a little while and see what that's like and experience uh, and get that experience as well.
0: Well, let's rewind a little bit. You mentioned a couple of things that I would like to ask you to elaborate on here. One thing that you mentioned is that uh, everybody faces challenges in life. And then you also mentioned that it took a little bit to get your head around what had happened to you and and where you were going to head after your accident. Um, There are people listening to our show right now that are facing challenges of their own. What kind of words would you have for them?
1: You know, hopefully, you know, you listen to my story. You can, you know, listen to other people's stories about you know perseverance and, and overcoming obstacles in your life, and and everybody has them. As I said, you know, there's everybody faces challenges, whether it's of a physical nature or something else. We all have obstacles to overcome. We all face challenges, and I would just I would just say that you know if if they can draw any knowledge or inspiration from my story, um, I guess I guess that would uh, that would be it. it, or somebody else's story. Just that. You know, you, you've got to uh, you've got to be persistent. Um, there's there's ways to overcome challenges. It just depends on on what it is. But in my case, I you know I had a lot of a close knit group of friends and and my family. To, it was a big support group early on, and that helped as well because nobody wants to be on an island. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of the message with adaptive adventures as well. We wanna we wanna engage people to live a healthy, happy life and but sometimes you need a little help sometimes you need access to different equipment sometimes you need the right venue and and the expertise to get that done and to make it happen to to adapt and overcome your situation and i think that analogy uh goes hand in hand with other you know with other situations in life as well
0: i think you're right you know i i had a thought today i'd like to share here that i i hope might be applicable for someone i think happiness is like What people used to call quicksilver, like mercury, you can't pick it up. You reach for it and try to grab it, and it skitters away. And the reason I say that is when we focus on our own happiness, it's very elusive. That's very hard to do. But when we set that aside and we say, I am going to go do something— I'm going to go be with someone. I'm going to go get involved in this activity. I'm going to go, you know, whatever your dream or your goal or or the next thing on the bucket list is, when you start focusing on that, then happiness comes along for the ride. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'll give you another example. In 1996, 20 years ago, a friend of mine showed me a hand cycle. I, I think I'd seen pictures of one, but I'd never been on it. And I was like i never been on one. And so he actually not only showed me his hand cycle, he loaned me another hand cycle and suggested that I do a ride called Ride the Rockies. And I don't know if you're familiar with Ride the Rockies. Most people in Colorado know what it is. It's a week long, typically about 400 mile bike ride through the Rocky Mountains. Hmm. It, it You ride through different mountain towns. Sometimes it starts in Durango and ends in Steamboat. I mean, it's a you know, it's, it's, it's a different route every year. But I didn't take him seriously at first. He loaned me this fan cycle, and I said, well, why, the, why would I want to do that? <laughs> you know? And he said, just try it. Just go out and start riding and start riding a little bit more and a little bit more and see, you know, see, see what it's like. So I started doing that, and I set my goal to do this ride. It was six days. Um, the first one was 420 miles, and the first day was 90 miles over it wasn't just 90 miles flat it was a 90 mile ride over the grand mesa
0: which Mm, holy cow
1: (laughs) if any anyone knows where the grand mesa is it's by grand junction and it is it's literally like the top of the world you're up there and it is it's it's an unbelievable climb it's but uh i thought what the heck i've got nothing to lose let's try it and i guess the point is here is that um I don't think I would have been interested in doing that as an able-bodied person. It just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, I was never a cyclist. In fact, people, after I'd done it a few years, a few people would ask me, Hey, were you a cyclist before you got hurt? And I'd say, well, not really. I had a paper route when I was a kid. Does that count? (laughs) But, but it, it was it was amazing. I met some of the coolest people that are still friends of mine today, and I rode the whole 420 miles, and I thought, okay, I can cross that off the list. Uh, been there, done that. I was really proud of myself that I trained enough and, and met the challenge, and I rode the whole thing. And, of course, six months later, I'm getting phone calls. Hey, you know, are you going to do the Ride of the Rockies again this year? And I thought, yeah, what the heck, I'll do it again. And I ended up doing it like 12 years in a row. Nice. I just I just embraced it, and again, it's something I probably wouldn't have had interest in doing, but it was put to me as a challenge. I did it the first year, and then I just really got into it, and it's just a beautiful way to see, you know, to see Colorado on a bike. Um, so anyway, that was a great experience that I I never thought, you know, I kind of went into it kicking and screaming, and I never thought it would it would be all that, and it was very rewarding. And now I get to get other people. You know, I try to talk other people into doing it and saying, hey, you can do this. You know, just start, try to ride 10 miles and then the next day, you know, the next week try to ride 20 miles and then 25 and then build your way up to, uh, you know, see if you can ride 50 miles in a day. And if you can ride 50 miles in a day, then, you know, then, what? you know, the sky's the limit. Um, you can do, and and I think that, again, it's just that you can, you can look at a challenge like that and then when you complete the challenge, it's, it's something to be proud of and it's something that um, you know, really, as I said, it, it uh, flows over into other facets of your life. You get a little bit more confidence. You, you don't feel as left out. You don't feel, you know, handicapped. You just feel like another rider. So it was a great experience.
0: How can people give to help support what you're doing with your organization here?
1: Well, first of all, you can go to the website. And if you like what you see, um, you can click on a button, a donate button, just right through the website. And you can donate uh, with a credit card, or if you want to send a check-in of a donation, it's tax-deductible. We are a 501c3, and they can send that to Adaptive Adventures at 1315 Nelson Street, Unit 1, and that's Lakewood, Colorado, 80215.
0: Say that one more time, and I'll put that in the show notes as well. That's uh, Adaptive
1: Adventures. 1315 Nelson Street, Unit 1, Lakewood, Colorado, 80215.
0: 80215. Right on. Well, I see here on your website there's the donate button, sponsorship opportunities, events, matching gifts, securities wish list. So people go to the website and look at it. There are a lot of ways to get involved. So you can donate time. You can donate money. You can get involved Um, as a participant, and I think it's fantastic. Matt, thank you so much for sharing this amazing opportunity with us today, Adaptive Adventures. Thanks for being on the show and letting us know about it.
1: Well, my pleasure, Kurt. Thanks for giving me the opportunity to uh, create some more awareness about what we're doing in the community.
0: Well, I love what you're up to, man. Adventure sports and getting people out to have fun, no matter what. And I would like to encourage all of our listeners today, no matter what your challenge is, don't let it get in the way. Get out there and have some fun. All right, so admittedly, I'm biased, but I absolutely love the guests that we have on the Adventure Sports Podcast. Will you help us share the love and get the word out about the show? In the podcasting world, it really is all about the downloads. That's what keeps us going and makes all of this possible. So help us get the word out if you would. We really appreciate it. And thank you in advance for getting the word out about the Adventure Sports Podcast. Now have fun.